You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Sharpen your pencils and get your notebooks out. It's time for the Star Seminar. And now, here are your hosts, Rabble Rouser and Danny Phantom. Welcome to another edition of the Star Seminar. And now, two brilliant men who will be spending their summer sabbatical in Oxnard, California. 100% guaranteed it is... Danny Phantom and yours truly, Dr. Rabble Rouser. Oh, Dr. Phantom, how are you today, sir? Well, you know what? You shouldn't be making promises that I won't be able to keep, Rabs. I know you're trying to, you know, put me on the hook on that, but uh, I most definitely hope to make it oh, down. Oh, there. you picked up on that, did you? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I would. I mean, I can't. I would love to join you guys um, for sure, uh, but I'm not sure if it's going to happen. So it's. I'm. I guess I'm still questionable. That's my uh, status. Um, but yeah, it'd be nice to hang with you guys. And uh, but you know me, I believe in the power of positive thinking. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I do know you. That's exactly what I think of when. Uh... <laughs> but no, I mean things are going fine. Um, today, I uh, I ordered lunch from the cafeteria today with with the app um, for the first time ever, and I was kind of excited, and uh, everything was really easy and. You know, you got to pick like I want lettuce and I got I got myself a bacon cheeseburger and it was like going to be there ready for you. So it's like super time saver. So I'm like super excited about it, um, except when I picked it up, I saw that they had put mayonnaise on it and I can't stand mayonnaise. And they didn't have anything to where like you can say they had like condiments like they're actually like ketchup packets, mayonnaise packets sitting there. So it was just kind of assume that there's they're not putting anything on it. and there's no place where you can say I, I don't want this so basically they're just being presumptuous and think everybody likes mayonnaise and I do not I think that's a really bad way to go I was disappointed um, I had a soggy mayonnaise cheeseburger and I can't stand it so that's that ruined my lunch uh, but yeah I just something I can't stand I'm, I'm what about you? I mean, is there anything, any food out there that you absolutely will not eat? I'm actually, yes, there are several. It's funny because I'm actually uh, not a particularly picky eater, but within a certain range, there's a certain, like, there's like five things. If they're on the plate, I won't touch anything on the plate. But, I'm all, but I have to say, before I go into the thing I won't eat, I find this story shocking because mayonnaise is pretty widely held as something that uh, people feel strongly one way or the other about. And so to assume that people are going to like want mayonnaise 
is is weird because there's there's a, a very very large contingent of folks out there who find mayonnaise loathsome i'm not one of them i actually happen to like mayonnaise on my sandwiches i think it actually helps the sandwich especially if it's got lettuce and tomato on it but that's me i, I also understand and appreciate folks who don't like mayonnaise because i can see how you know i can see how, why people wouldn't like it so to assume that you that people would do i mean that that seems that seems very far fa- I, I i think they need to do a little bit more uh research here anyway um uh, foods I don't like. Uh, so I would say the number one thing I don't like is like the crucifer family, like cauliflower, broccoli, and Brussels sprouts. I find them vomitous. Like if I if I smell any of them, if I if I if someone's in the, like cooking them in in the same room I'm in, I start to heave. They're they're so disgusting to me, and there's no way under any circumstances that I would ever eat any of them. I I think they're they're hideous. Uh, this it's terrible terrible things, and so. Um, there are other there are other things like mushrooms and eggplant I, I don't love, but there there are certain preparations where I will eat mushrooms and or certain types of mushrooms that I will happily eat, and there are certain eggplant preparations that I, that I like. But those three things, there's no there's nothing you can do. You can't drown them in cheese. You can't put them in you know lots of salt. There's no way you can't boil or baste or bake or any, and nothing. There's no way um, that. Uh, anything with those can be good. And honestly, if we get Chinese food, it's got broccoli in it. I'm not touching it. Yeah, that's, you no. Know, I like most vegetables and, and but I will say this, and I didn't realize Brussels sprouts were in that family because I, I can handle cauliflower and, and broccoli. Um, especially, I don't know if, well, of course you haven't tried it because you hate it, but I tried cauliflower crust for the first oh. time. And uh, I actually it fooled me into thinking very comparable. And if, if you're in like a no carb type situation uh, and you have a food processor, that's kind of a, could be a game changer for you, but not for you. Cause you don't like cauliflower, but I do not like Brussels sprouts. That That is like the one vegetable that I just, I have to say no. I mean, I can, I can tolerate some, I like more than others, but Brussels sprouts is just, I mean, no, to, to me, those are, those are disgusting, but I do like mushrooms. I'll put mushrooms on anything. I love mushrooms, um, but there's not a lot of things that I that I completely hate. But I totally agree with you, Rabs, about them just making the assumption that mayonnaise is fine. Everybody likes mayonnaise. It's 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 completely on what planet does everybody like mayonnaise? Yeah, yeah. so I was shocked and I'm disappointed and I, and I'm trying to think like how do I even go about ordering stuff now because there's no way to say hey don't put this on there and if that's the default. You know, it's, um, you know, it's, this is how, I, this is what bugs me about many, you know, how some people say, you know, it's football, it's just, a, it's just a game, it's just a sport, you know, don't, why do you even, why do you get so worked up? You know, I've, I've had like meetings and stuff where we've had food brought over and the sandwiches were brought and they'll just, same kind of thing, mayonnaise on everything. And, and then people that can't stand it, or they just look like, like they're being so, you know, just so difficult because they're, I mean, like, they're just like, just eat it. It's just, it's just mayonnaise, but, but no, it's, it's, it's just, it's wrong. It's, 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 a uh, it's just the crime against humanity. It is a crime. <laughs> <laughs> to, to, to just make that assumption that that's just, you know what? I mean, I, I understand like if you go to certain places and like, if you order like a Whopper or uh, I don't know, there's that it comes with it. Even though those are sandwiches that come with it. You at the same time, if you order a different kind of cheeseburger, there's no mayonnaise on it. So, you know, but those things, they come like that. So, you know, you either order something else or you order it without mayonnaise. But yeah, to just to make, just to put mayonnaise on 
all their burgers? I don't know. Well, they've, they've lost a customer because, I mean, it's a deal breaker for me. I, I, I can't swing it. So, but you know what? I, I, would write, I would write a lengthy letter to the management. Yeah, I thought, I thought about like, how, how do I, how can I get around it? Do I, you know, I order my thing and then I run down there real quick and say, hey, are you the mayonnaise putter honor guy? I mean, is there, what, can, what do I got to do to, uh, <laughs> to get no man, mayonnaise on it? He'd probably be like, you know what? Dude, just scrape you, it you off. You could do a Tanya Harding to his knee so you can't put mayonnaise on anything. Yeah. I wouldn't go that far, but I, it's close because <laughs> I, I, I can't stand it. But you know what? Everybody is different. And uh, speaking of everybody being different, Rabs, um, you, you, got, you got some fun for us today. Uh, what's, what's happening today? We do. So here we are, uh, as I intimated earlier with my introduction, on the cusp of training camp. Uh, football season is actually starting everyone's heart's going to go pitter-pat sooner rather than later. And we're going to see those beautiful Dallas Cowboys uniforms on the TV, albeit in an exhibition football game, but it will be those beautiful uniforms nonetheless on the TV screen and life will be back to its blissful state again. Um, But in anticipation of all of this, uh, we have decided that what we want to do is rank the various position groups and our confidence in them heading into training camp. And so we're going to do that, and then we're going to finish up with our um, three-part series uh, on um, the games last year against each of the NFC East rivals. And, of course, we saved the worst for last, so we will be talking about the two games against the much-hated and loathsome uh, to the extreme as much as Brussels sprouts and as green as Brussels sprouts, the Philadelphia Fecals. Yeah. So we'll talk about the two games against them and, and talk about the respective rosters uh, as we, um, you know, as we begin this journey into the season. Sounds like a plan. All right. So let's, let's start off by talking about um, our respective rankings uh, of the, the various position groups. So we came up with um, 11 position groups. I think you might have 12 because you separated out the running backs and the fullbacks. I lumped the running backs and the fullbacks together, although I think it would have worked just as well as we were saying before we started recording to have lumped the running backs and the tight, excuse me, the fullbacks and the tight ends together because they serve um, much of the same function mm-hmm. in the offense. Um, so here's, here's how we're going to handle this. I think so uh, each of us is going to read our, our, um, our rankings uh, 11 to one. And then um, I think the other one will, uh, you, so you'll go ahead and read yours first. And then I'm going to call out a couple that I think are, are quite a bit different than mine and ask you to talk about those and identify why, why you uh, did what you did, because they are so different than mine. And then you do the same for me. So you go ahead and read yours out first, then I'll read mine out. And then we can, and we can sort of begin to call each other out on things that are, are where we have the biggest discrepancy. How's that sound? Sounds good. Um, for a couple of thoughts first, before we get started, um, First off, when you presented this to me, I thought this is going to be fun and, uh, you know, it won't take me too long to do this. And it turns uh-huh. out it was it was not any of that. It was uh, it turned out to be a lot of work because uh, this it, this exercise was a lot harder than I realized, uh, mostly because I think the Cowboys are pretty, pretty tight as far as the talent. If, when, when I do my ranking and and this is just how my mind works is I actually went and I gave scores, like almost like letter grades, you know, to, to players, you know, like Dak Prescott, for example, I gave a 92. Uh, and I went through and I did this for every player. And then I took the averages of the position groups. Um, and then that's how I decided to rank them. Because I honestly, I don't think I could have done it by just kind of feeling it out. It, it was just too hard for me to do in that because there's, 
there's so many positions that it was just tough to to pick one or the other. So I had to let I had to let math do it. Uh, so that's how I went about doing this. And I will um, share all these wonderful scores and rankings uh, over uh, on Blogging the Boys. Uh, I'll, I'll put together an article for this. Um, but so I, first off, I just that's how I went about it. I I also wanted to make one other comment is I do have Micah Parsons listed both in my linebacker and my defensive end rank uh, positions. Um, Mm -hmm. I took a little bit of points off of him in each of them because, I mean, to me, he would have been like a 98 type player, 97, 98. He's, you know, to me, he's just one of the league's best players. And, uh, but I figure since I'm spreading them out, a little bit, so uh, I have him at 94s at the at both positions. So he's helping both position groups. I know that's kind of weird, but I'm just trying to do this as as honest as I can. So anyway, I wanted to just mention that before I get started. But um, so I will start off with 11, and the position that I have ranked at the bottom is the safety position. Uh, I will say this, if you go from my 11 to 7, you're really not going to find much difference in points. Rabs, you could right. actually see my scores as you you can see each individual player and how I grade them. I mean, it's it's close. I mean, they're tight. very tight. Very yeah. tight. And uh, right above them is the cornerback spot, which is actually by one-tenth of a score. I have Cornerback listed as 74.6 versus safety 74.5. So that might be a little bit of a surprise. It's a little bit of a surprise to me. Um, so they're second to last. And then going up, I got tight end. And above tight end, I got linebacker, offensive tackle, interior offensive line, defensive tackle, which kind of surprised me a little bit. That so that's your, that's your fifth-ranked position group? Yeah, we're now – defensive tackle is now ranked five. Um, number four, I got wide receiver. Three, I have quarterback. Number two, another one that surprised me a little bit, I have defensive end. And number one, which everyone is going to hate, I have running back. So those Ooh, are my fascinating. Yeah, I know you especially would love that one. Um, so yeah, that, that's my. Those are my rankings. Um, I am a. I'm surprised myself with how some of this played out. But like I said, I, I just did this blind. I tried to be as honest as I could and just let the mm-hmm. chips fall where they may. And that's when I look at it, I don't hate it. I mean, I'm okay with what I came up with. Um, but there's you could move some stuff around and I wouldn't cry foul either because I just think they're so they're so tightly grouped. There's no, yeah. no position group to me runs away with it, um, and nobody none none of the position groups are just dreadful to me. I think um, it's really it's 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 a pretty tight tight group. So who's, who's your top ranked player on the roster then? If you give everybody a, ni- a number grade, uh, well, Micah, Micah's my top graded player. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, he's, like I said, I kind of brought his score down a little bit cause I, you know, I moved him into two spots, but then, uh, then I think, I believe looking at, it, I think, uh, oh yeah, actually no, Zach Martin, Zach yeah. Martin I have. So, so Zach Martin's higher because I did move Micah down. So Micah, I, I right. think I had him at 97 was Micah's, but he's, a, I put him at 94 as an edge rusher and 94 as a linebacker, um, Interesting. So Zach, yeah, Zach would be number well, number one overall. And then Prescott, I think, is my number three. 
player. Yeah. Yeah, it looks like it looks like he's he and C.D. Lamb sort of round out the guys who yeah. get grades. The Marcus in the 90s. is in the ninety. He's ninety. Mm-hmm. I think that's mm-hmm. pretty much. That's the only ninety. That, that makes that makes some sense. Well, this is going to be really interesting because we actually have some um, some discrepancies. I think are going to be really fun to talk about. So here here's my ranking, um, and you, you know you were you were explaining you were framing yours a little bit. So I have a couple of things that I want to say too. One is that. Um, I'm looking both for for top end starters, but also for depth. So uh, if if a position group has both of those, then then they're in good shape for me. And really, a position group that has, that has multiple players, like interior offensive line or corner or something like that, linebacker, um, can have one good starter. It doesn't have to have great starters all the way across. But if there's like if there's like a blue chip starter and good depth, that's something I really like. So that's 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 number one. And there are there are positions that have a blue chip starter and no depth that get dinged for that. Um, and so the second thing is that Tyler Smith does not factor into my offensive tackle rankings at all. So I think probably in actual practice, he's offensive tackle number three. Um, so the thing that you did with Micah, where you sort of distributed him, him, distributed him across the linebacker and the defensive end um, rankings, I did not do it either with Micah or with Smith, even though it probably is fair to do so. So I factored him in solely as a, an interior offensive lineman, and um, the rankings reflect that as well. So here, here are my rankings. Um, and I, and this, this is pertinent because, uh, as you're going to see, my number 11 and last position group is offensive tackle. And that's largely because um, I, I mean, I think, you know, I think Tyron Smith is a, is a good player, certainly on the decline. Uh, you know, Terrence Steele's a, a nice, solid player. And actually, I actually believe strongly that he's a better player than the departing Leo Collins. I, I watched some more of Leo Collins this week, and, and I feel Wait, ever more. Are you arguing nice. for them or against them? You confuse me. No, no. I think I, I'm saying even though those things are true, their depth okay. is abysmal. Okay. If, if either of those guys go down, we're looking at um, Matt Ball and Joshua Letko. Right. Uh, and so I'm – or Josh Ball and Matt Willett, Letko. Uh or Rosencrantz and Gildenstern, or, or Gildenkrantz and Rosenstern, or whoever it is. Like we're we're looking at a, you know a couple of you know uh, replacement level players at best, and so that there could be a significant drop off. So that that worries me really more than anything. And again, the proviso here is we know that if one of them goes down for a extended period, we're probably going to see their first round draft pick step in. Um, my tenth ranked position is linebacker. Again, it's a depth issue. Mike is a top end player. Um, but Vander Esch is, is a sort of hot and cold kind of commodity. And behind him, there's nothing because Jabril Cox is still on the mend. Um, number nine, you had the number one. I have, I have running back as number nine, and that's because I think Zeke is, is cooked. And I think Pollard is a dynamic player, but I think that if they're really going to truly use him dynamically, they're going to have him take a lot of um, snaps this year in the, in the slot and use him more in a quote, sort of quote-unquote Debo Samuel role that he played in college, which uh, makes their linebacker position, excuse me, their running back position even weaker. Uh, eight, tight end. Again, Dalton Schultz. Love Dalton Schultz. Questionable depth. Um, number seven, safety. Number six, now we're getting to the positions that I have a lot of confidence in. And, and similar to you, I feel like these guys are all tightly bunched. And I, if someone's moved them up two or, two or three or down two or three, I wouldn't have any objection. So number six, we got defensive end. Number five, defensive tackle. And I feel similarly to you where it's a solid group. It's there, your number five group too, but nobody's rated particularly highly. They're just good, solid players all the way through the first 
three um, three layers on the depth chart. We got six decent defensive tackles who all can fulfill a role. Uh, number four. Now we're starting to get into the into the, the elite positions. Uh, wide receiver, and I think it's because you you know this well. You were there last year at camp. C.D. Lamb was the best player on this team. Mm-hmm. I think he I think he's still capable of being the best player on this team, and I, I wouldn't surprise me at all if he asserts himself this year as the best player on this team. And we understand more and more as he does so why the team got rid of Amari Cooper because they needed to allow that to happen. Number three, quarterback. Again, they'd be number one, but the backup uh, situation does not have me. Uh, sleeping well at night mm-hmm. number two interior offensive line i think they have quality starters i think they have good depth i think that they're, they're they're a loaded loaded bunch and the number one similar reasons cornerback even though they were like near the bottom of your rankings i think cornerback i i, I think they have an elite blue chip um starter in trevon diggs i think they have really good depth they have really good starters across the board and i think they actually have good depth and i, and I think one of the differences is i like nishan Wright a lot more than you do and i think he's actually i and listen i don't think the guy's gonna be, you know become a starter and star in the league i think there's a place a, i think there's a role for him and i think he's going to start to fill that role in um so those are my rankings yeah so you know why don't we start right there then since um and honestly I'm surprised that corner graded out as low as it did for me. Um, but then when I look back, I looked at the scores I gave the players. Um, I don't want to change any of them. I'm I'm happy. I'm just going to run down too, just to. Or, so I you have digs that are like 89. You you do you have them any higher than that, Rabs? As far as would you say? I think so. I, I mean, I think I think he's a. I mean. It's one of those, that's probably not an unfair grade. I wouldn't grade him significantly higher, but the the year he had last year was elite. And if you remember the other the other player who was really truly at that level last year in training camp was Diggs. So the, the correct very best thing about training camp was the battle all 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 day long every day between C.D. Lamb and Trevon Diggs. Remember how many times it was like there they throw they throw a ball to the corner of the end zone. The two guys would jump up and it'd be a you know a jump ball. Coverage was fantastic. Coverage was fantastic, and Lamb was making cu- catches anyway. It was it was incredible, incredible theater, and it, there there was a significant drop off between those two guys and the next like best player on the roster, and just in terms of who was dominating play, making scintillating plays. Um, and so I, I really think Trevon Diggs, his year last year was not a fluke. His, his interception total might be a fluke, but the, the quality of his year. And the way he's playing with confidence, the way he's using his body, I, I think he's just going to get better and better. I think he's a really great player. So I wouldn't, I don't object to where you, where you put him, but I do think he's, I think he's a blue chip player. Um, and I think he'll show that again this year. So, but I also, I also think I like Jordan Lewis, maybe and Anthony Brown a bit more than you do. And I actually think Kelvin Joseph is, is on the come. I mean, I know he's kind of a knucklehead, but I think he, he's a deluxe player who's every bit as good as, as Sertain and, and Horn, the guys who got picked in the first round that the Cowboys had their eyes on. And just in terms of like his physical skill set, he, he, he belongs to them completely. I think he's going to start to realize more of that. And, um, and I think they have some interesting, some interesting dudes, uh, you know, some interesting like big guys. And, and um, there's just some interesting depth there. I think that, I think that I think that rounds rounds that out that position. group. I mean, it's certainly, it, it could be a good group, but I just think there's a lot of, wishful thinking going on on your part with with these all these guys especially like the bottom three i think we know what those top three guys are um i mean i i think we're similar it's weird that somebody like so i gave anthony brown an 81 and i i figure i'm one of like one of 
the bigger Anthony Brown fans out there, to be honest. Um, I would say he's a B, a B player, and I'd say Led Diggs is a B plus player. And uh, uh, Lewis, Jordan Lewis, I'm, I think he's fine. I like, I'm glad he's on our team, but uh, it wouldn't surprise me if he got cut this year. If some of these other players that actually start to play, uh, because then you start to wonder, well, what what's his role going to be? Because he could get bounced in, in in a multitude of ways. Because if if somebody shows up on the outside, then Anthony Brown's just going to be our new slot corner. So then Lewis is going to be what a backup slot, and it's a, so. Um, but I, I just don't know. I have Kevin Joseph and and the, and the rookie Deron Bland and and Nation Wright, who's uh, uh, who's a Beaver, and I'm definitely pulling for him. Um, they just they they haven't shown me anything to make me feel. Uh, optimistic about them having any type of meaningful role. So that's why they're so low um, on this group. And the Cowboys were lucky last year because to be healthy in the cornerback department. And so we don't really, you know, their depth really wasn't exposed. And I just, I don't know. I don't I really, if, if we weren't so lucky this year, if we hit, hit with a couple injuries or something, it could be, end up being just, a, you know, a really bad thing. So, uh, Quarterback worries I, yeah, me a little bit. I, I, I personally think that that position can withstand injury better than anything else, except maybe interior offensive line. I actually almost ranked interior offensive line first. Um, it's been it's interesting though, and this this actually factors into your rankings. You have Jordan Lewis with the same grade as Rico Dowdle. I do, and I, I mean I think that there's a huge gulf between those two players. See, I don't, I don't, I don't. Um, I mean, I honestly you could, I don't know if. Both of them. It wouldn't surprise me if one or the other made the team. If they're both just kind of on the on the. Oh yeah, the I, I mean, I, I wouldn't surprise me if both got cut for the reasons you've articulated. But I, it just I, feels like I feel like the Jordan Lewis is a guy who makes plays at the NFL level. I, I'm still waiting for Rico Dowdle to make a play in the NFL game. Jordan Lewis does make plays, and that's his splashiness at times is the only reason that we're even the high variance player. High, he's a high yep. variance player for sure because he makes the wrong type of splashes too. If there's a cornerback that's, that's been exposed over the last few years, more than anyone, and not, it's not Anthony Brown. It's actually Jordan Lewis. He's, you know, he, for as small as he is, he's not fast at all. So it's him. He's a competitive player, but I just think he could be one of the biggest liabilities and it, 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 heaven forbid he has have to play on the outside. Cause that is just a, a nightmare waiting to happen. But going back to Rico Dowdle, and, and I'll, let me just explain my running back. Why yeah, I was actually going to use that as a transition. Uh, yeah, so l- please do. So, I, I want to understand uh, how you how you ranked them so high. First off, let me ask you this question, Rabs. What teams have a better running back duo than the Cowboys? I mean, you don't have to list them, but can you just count, use your fingers and, and kind of tell me how many teams you would say has a, a better dynamic duo? Just, just dynamic that's a, duo. That's, that's a great question. That's I, I don't know that I have an answer. I, I need well, let me ask you: Well, you think it's going to be one hand, two hands, or I say probably. I probably go on one hand and start the second. Okay, really? Okay, so I would say. But, but see, part of part of that has to do with the fact that we don't know right now which Zeke we're going to get. Right. So, are we going to get week one through six Zeke? In which case, I think that I'm inclined to rate them a little bit more more highly. Or, or are we going to get the kind of cooked end of end of career is is looming Zeke that we got the rest of the season? And I know he'll probably be healthier, probably be better at the beginning of the year. But like that Zeke that we saw, that dynamic Zeke we saw at the beginning of the year, is what the team needs if they're going to have uh, if running back is in fact going to be the, the top ranked position group. And the other thing I'll say is 
Tony Pollard's a great change of pace, but he is a specialty player. And um, yeah, yes, he can run between the tackles, but I think if they, if they really want to maximize him, they're going to need to get him on the edges and get him in space. And so if you've got, if you've got a guy who's like the Zeke that we saw, you know, in the last half of the season, and you've got a Tony Pollard who's either injured a lot or, or, you know, is only being used in space, then what do you really have? Yeah, but I mean, first off, I will say I did. So I gave it a Zika 89 and a Pollard 88. And that's, mm-hmm. uh, and I am banking on Zeke being healthy. Um, you know, he looks good. You know, I'd, I think that, I, I mean, if we see the first half Zeke, he, he deserves to be in the 90s. But, um, you know, I'm, I'm kind of like trying to balance it out. I, so I still believe in Zeke, I guess. So there's that. But I also, too, when it comes to running backs, Pollard and Zeke are going to handle the great majority of everything. And even if one gets hurt, you're going to have one of them handling the majority of things. And, and Dowdle's fine. He's, he's a jag to me. You can basically put anybody in there. If you, I mean, you can, I don't think it'd be hard to find somebody that scores out in the, in the seventies, you know, but, uh, but because you have Zeke and Pollard, I really think that those two, the, the talent level there, it makes them pretty high. And I, I think that, I, I mean, because they are make up the position group mostly themselves and that the talent that of those players is why I have running back so high. It's they're I think they're all they have. They all, they're all they need. They, I mean, they, mm-hmm. I mean, I don't, I don't think you really have to, you know, much more than that. And, and they're both really, I mean, Pollard's going to be playing in a contract year and Zeke's so is he to, for, you know, for all intent and purposes. So, I uh, I really like those guys, and I just think I uh, like I said I think you, you, there's a short list of players that there's a short list of teams that have a better duo of running backs than, than the Cowboys do with those guys. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. Um, so so I I think of course the running back success really depends on on how well the offensive line does. I mean I don't it almost doesn't matter if they're both 95s if the offensive line's not opening up holes. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, if, I feel like we both had really interesting rankings for the various um, position groups for the offensive line. Um, let's so let's start if we can by uh, talking about your ranking for offensive tackle. I'd love to hear some of the thought process behind that. Yeah, so offensive tackle was my they were I, I have them seventh and you're you're eleven mm-hmm. right so they're they're your last then so the very bottom group. Yeah, yeah. so I have it like Tyler Smith to eighty nine, Terrence Still to eighty two. Josh Ball is is a sixty. So is Matt Lowellatsko. Honestly, those two, I don't know what. I'm not going to give them any higher than that because we don't really know. But here's my thinking, and this is why it's they they are what they are is because I think the uh, well I know that the Cowboys coaching staff and, and organization think enough of what they have because they let Lyle Collins go. So they're I mean I don't think you do that if you're because I mean, the Chaz Green fiasco is not is only a few years old. So you just don't completely cut your swing tackle loose and have nothing if you don't believe in certain players. And I think that they believe in certain players. And uh, does that mean Josh Ball? You know, I, honestly, I think it's there's a combination of things. I think it's I think it's Josh Ball. You know, I think it's they. I think that they feel that they can. They can bring a veteran in mm-hmm. if they had to. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel they. I feel that the fact that Terrence Steele can play both sides gives gives them some extra confidence, you know, and either way to go. Because like uh, we talked about this already, Ball and Walletsko, whoever 
whoever balls out, and you know, no, no pun intended, but but um, <laughs> whoever ends up being the guy, uh, it don't matter if they're if you got a, if one's just a right tackle guy, one's just a left tackle guy. That's just who it is, and then it don't matter who gets hurt because, you know, Terrence still can. He's the he's the the wild card there. He's your pivot guy. To, so I, I just feel like they they believe in Josh Ball. I mean, and, and to me that makes me feel a little better because you know to to let that depth go. Um, you know, I don't think it was just to save ten million. I think it's it's because you're just they know they're you're not getting much for that ten million. And and I think that, I think they believe in their depth now. Whether they're right or wrong is we don't know, and it could be it could be the the thing that derails the Cowboys' season, you know, who knows what happens. Uh, but that's kind of why I'm a little bit more confident in, in that group than, than uh, you know, maybe the next guy. And I don't know, Tyron Ty, Smith is such a enigma as far as it's like he's he's still a good player, even though he's not a great player. Uh, he used to be, with, he, when he's on the field, he's one of the best tackles out there. I, I don't think that's true anymore, but he's still a good player. But then... Being on the field is a different story, so so maybe I have him too high. I don't know. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering, so you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge... That takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Uh, yeah, I mean I, I mean, I think when he's healthy, he's still in the probably top five uh, offensive left tackles in the game. I really, I really do like Terrence Steele, and we've talked about it before. Where um, 
when Terrence Steele was in the game, I felt like they had the ability to run the full menu uh, in their running game. And it's hard to say exactly because he was the whole like, you know, weird, like subbing in um, Leo Collins and then turning him back out, all that weird stuff that happened, happened about the same time Zeke got injured. So it's hard to say exactly why they stopped uh, running the sort of outside plays so much, but they were, there was, there was like the, there were a lot of sweet plays, a lot of perimeter plays, a lot of pin and pull plays that they were running with, with steel that they just stopped running. And I, again, I don't know if that's because Zeke didn't have the wheels to get to the edge or because um, Leo Collins didn't have the ability to, to like track guys down in space and, and steel does, but it just felt to me that there was a correlation there. And again, uh, it might just be coincidental, but there seemed to be a correlation there between the, the demise of the running game. And when, when Leo Collins came back into the lineup and I honestly, I just think they just, I just really feel like they, I think they just felt like he had done, too, he had broken too much trust. Um, Cause you know, I, I think there's, there, there've been a couple of different incidents where uh, he'd lied or done other things. And I think they just sort of felt like they couldn't trust him anymore. And they kind of had to get him off the roster, even if he had been a better player than he was. Um, but I do, I do still, I, I like the starters. I think the starters. I mean, if, if Leo Collins was still on the roster, I would, I would advocate that those guys be the starters. It's just that if, if one of them goes down, uh, which leads us to the, con- the conversation of the first round draft pick. And, you know, I, I rated their, their interior offensive line um, very differently than you are uh, somewhat differently. I, I rated them number two. And frankly, I could have, I, I, I had them rated number one at one point and then I switched. So, um, to me, this is a position that has really, really interesting depth. And they have the guy who's probably still, if, he, if, if it's not Micah Parsons, it's Zach Martin, still the best player pound for pound at his position in, in the, you know, on the, on the roster. Um, I think, I think they have a couple of really interesting candidates at center. I know neither of them is Travis Frederick, but both of them I think are, are really are, are good young players. And I think that they're probably going to, um, duke it out in training camp which and that level of competition as, as our dear friend jason garrett was so fond of talking about um just makes the team better and i think and i think um i think tyler smith is going to be really good at left guard and he, he may you know if he has to kick out to left tackle i think that the, the cowboys really are going to have or even to right tackle or some combination there i think the cowboys are going to be in a little bit of trouble because i i do believe that um then they're going to have to bring, you know, somebody like McGovern or something like that, who's not quite as good as a left guard in, and, and they're going to weaken two positions, but let's just assume right now that, you know, knocking on wood, that, that there's good health. I think that across the front, uh, those three guys, I think they're going to have a lot more power. I think they're going to be a lot stronger than they were last year. I think they're going to be more mobile. Um, I, I think that Tyler Smith is a big upgrade on Connor, uh, Connor Williams, who was, game but just didn't have the sand in his pants didn't have the ballast to compete and um too too often was bullied by defensive tackles and his his one you know his go-to then was to to grab a little bit of a little bit of cloth yeah. so um i i you know my my fervent hope really is that the offensive tackles can stay healthy because that's what that's going to do is allow that interior offensive line to develop into a, i think what could be a, a really strong unit yeah i think probably the biggest uh variation for us between our rankings with interior offensive line is probably because of Tyler Smith. And, you know, I, so I have him as, as a 78, which to me, I think is a fair for, for a rookie. That's still, you know, still a development guy. I know he's got a lot of potential, but um, I, I've definitely tempered my expectations and, you know, and we've spoken a lot about like, you know, how I feel about the guy and, but I, I do think potential is there, but as, as far as what we have right now, I think we're not quite there. And, 
And one of the things, I do think we have a lot of depth along the interior offensive line, but I also felt that last year. And But I just don't think we have a lot of great depth. I think that while we have bodies, we don't have, like, you know, like when we had, they were kept on moving players around. We, we used that depth, but we never got any better. It was like we had extra guys, but we didn't have better guys. And I expected McGovern to maybe. Well, if they're if they're better, why would they be deaf? Well, I mean, well, they're better they should be starting. They know? should, and and they were, and they got, and they, mm-hmm. you know, they jumped them, and they did get started. But so uh, to me, it's just, I mean, it's fine. It's good to have that depth. Don't get me wrong, but I just still think that there's some, I don't want to say like liabilities, but like I think like Connor McGovern, for example, he, you know, if you have to bench him to go back to Connor Williams, that's a, that's a problem. So. I think that we just have some guys that if they if they were thrown into the action, they would just be be some some weak spots. And of course, I mean that's that's every offensive line I'm describing. But I just I don't give them a a lot of credit because while I love Farniok and Connor McGovern, but I I still think that it, our our floor and our I mean our ceiling for depth is still really low, and they were just. That's just why they're not scored really high. It's it's mm-hmm. really Zach Martin and a lot of question marks to me. And there's a you know no nobody scored above eighty other than you know Zach. Well, Zach's my highest score graded player, uh, you know, on offense. And but the other guys are just like, eh. I mean, they could grade out, they could do better, but they're just kind of like, huh. Eh. So that's why to me, I, I guess I have to I have to they have to show me before. Uh, I, I, I'm telling you, Rabs, I'm gonna have to, I'm gonna have to see it, and before I jump on the Tyler Smith bandwagon, uh, it's just, uh, it's just not there yet for me. Fair enough, fair enough. I mean, sometimes you know, it takes a while for the for the the, the divine light to penetrate sometimes one's eyes. It does, you know. Uh, yeah, I, I, I think, so. I think last year the problem was not Connor McGovern. The problem was Connor Williams. So the problem was not their depth. The problem was that they they had a, a, a problematic starter, right? So the so the, the the unit was downgraded last year, not because of poor depth, but because of the fact that there was a, a problematic starter, a replacement level starter. And so yeah, I mean, so Connor McGovern would come in and he wouldn't represent any kind of upgrade, but he also didn't represent a significant downgrade. So he was as good as, as a starter, which is, I mean, think back to the days when Corey Proctor was playing. You know, I mean, there's been, if you think about some of the other guys who have been depth players for the Cowboys in the interior offensive line, and then you look at Connor McGovern, you're like, oh my goodness, they're in, they're in so much better shape now. Um, and so I really feel like what they've done is they've made, and again, this is this is probably where we don't see eye to eye, but I think they've made a significant upgrade at the at the one place last year on the interior offensive line where they really had a, where their O-ring was, where they had a clear a clear weakness that was that was damaging the entire um, the entire operation. Yeah. Well, let's hope so. Um, speaking of damaging the entire operation, uh, there were a couple games last year against the hated Philadelphia Eagles where the Cowboys were able to damage the Eagles' entire operation. So um, we both had an opportunity to, um, to, to go back and review those two games, which I found personally delightful. Anytime, anytime you can watch a, a game against the Eagles where it's comfortable in the fourth quarter, the Cowboys have a big lead and are piling it on, then uh, you know that makes me quite happy uh so um let's let's talk about them in order the first game was i believe it was a monday night game i believe it was week three it was the first home game of the year for the cowboys they had just come off of a, a really like literally skin of the teeth uh win against the chargers in los angeles 
uh, like a, a long, I think like 50 something or 60 yard field goal by Greg Zerline um, with like almost no time left, won the game and they pulled it out and then came home, thankfully one and one instead of zero and two and um, prime timing game against, against the hated uh, division rivals. So thoughts of thoughts about that first game. Um, was it Sunday night? I think it was Sunday night football and oh, no, actually it might've been Monday night football in Dallas. Yeah, I can't remember the date, actually. I think it was Monday Night Football in Dallas, yeah. But So what I remember mostly about that game is that it started off, I was I was frustrated because it, it started off like the Cowboys were going to roll them, but then they made a couple mistakes near the goal line, and mm-hmm. it actually mm-hmm. cost them, it gave the Eagles points, and then they failed to get points. There was once where Dak did the little, he uh, lost the ball in the end zone, I think it was picked off, and uh, they... they and the Eagles caught caught it for a touchdown in the end zone. It mm-hmm. kind of reminded me of that um, the, the game against Washington in 2018, the the snap infraction game. Remember where Dak yeah. had he the same thing, lost the ball and just like gifted the. But anyway, and then the Cowboys rolled down the field, but then they they failed to punch it in at the at the like at the one foot line, and it, it looked like he Dak got in, but then they never got the right the angle, so they, they the call stood, and then. So they didn't score. So it's just like missed opportunities. And then, then the Eagles are just kept in the game. It was like seven to seven by, you know, near the end of the first quarter. But then things changed and uh, it took off and the Cowboys, the Cowboys just turned it on. Uh, I do remember another thing that stood out to me in this game was I got really aggravated with Mike McCarthy because I thought the Cowboys were on a roll. and They were building, starting to just kind of, run away with things, and then the Eagles were stalling out, but then he didn't use his timeouts toward the end of the first half, and yeah, mm-hmm. and basically we didn't have time to do anything. And um, so that was frustrating. I was just like, why, why wouldn't he do that? Uh, um, and then they, I think uh, the Cowboys, in the, in the fourth quarter, they were up 13. McCarthy went for it on fourth and goal at the two. There's 11 minutes to go in the game. And so they converted, so all is well. But, you know, you just have to, I think you've got to make it a 16-point game at that point. Uh, but, he, you know, anyway, they. It just to me, it was just bad decisions. I know that's moot, didn't matter, but it's like, what is he doing? Why would he do that? It, it, the fact, McCarthy's selection of aggression is just pu- puzzling to me last year, and I think it was mm-hmm, on full mm-hmm. display in the Eagles game. So that's that's what I remember about their, their week three contest. What about you? Um, yeah, I, I think that the thing you pointed out at the very beginning, which was that the, that the Cowboys got off to a slow start because as you said, sort of back to back, weird, goofy things that, um, that happened both involving Dak Prescott. So just to reiterate, uh, Eagles first drive, they drive down and then they throw uh, a pick in the end zone. I think it was Anthony Brown picked it at the end zone or like yeah, it, yeah. near the goal line, near the goal line. And so the Cowboys are are trying to drive from the shadow of their goal line, and um, sort of weird play where Zach uh, Dak Prescott tries to, to to throw it, and it like bounces off some dude and like lands right in Fletcher Cox's hands, yeah. and um, he gets a he gets a gift touchdown, and then and then as you said, uh, the Cowboys drove down, and I think it was a fumble or or like he was stopped short of the goal line, you know, just one of those weird sequences, and so that was really like a fourteen point swing, and the Cowboys easily should, could have been up fourteen nothing on their way to like a 48 to mm-hmm. seven or 48 to 14 type of win. It kept the Eagles in, in the game scoring wise for a while, but the Cowboys were really dominating, like dominating this game. 
Um, in the end, in terms of the yardage, in terms of like yards per play and all those kind of things, uh, the, the game was fairly even, but uh, you know, that doesn't really tell the whole story because the, the Cowboys gave up a lot of garbage time yards to the, to the Eagles in the end because they had a very comfortable lead throughout most of the second half. Um, you, you also may remember this is, the, this is the game where Trevon Diggs really sort of vaulted to the um, national stage, to the spotlight on the national stage because uh, at the beginning of the second half, after, as you were just rightly saying, Mike McCarthy kind of chickened out and didn't try to go for it with a 20-7 lead at the end of the first half, um, uh, Diggs gets a pick six and takes it all the way to the house. And um, it was one of two picks he had during the game, I believe. And um, I think it was this game. And, um, and uh, you know, it was, it was the one that pretty much, pretty much for all intents and purposes sealed, sealed the game. So they had a 27-7 lead. They had a, a 34-14 lead, and then they ended up with a 41-21 victory. So uh, they double up the Eagles. Um, they had 27 first downs to 12 for the Eagles. Uh, they had nine rushing first downs to one for the Eagles. So I, I think the other thing about these two games that's interesting, and it's probably going to be interesting in terms of the narrative this coming season between these two teams, is in game one, the Eagles only ran the ball, what was it, like, I think they had 12 rushing attempts, but almost all of those were late. And uh, but they, they, but the game was in doubt. I think they might have had like two rushing attempts. Or something. It was very, very low. They were not running the ball much at all. They ran the ball fairly successfully. Over the course of the season, I think Nick Sirianni, who was a passing dude and was hired because he's a passing dude, that's really important to the Eagles. They want to, ever since, ever since Joe Banner was there in the front office, um, they wanted to be a pass first type of team. And they've hired, they've hired pass first coaches. And, um, I think they just sort of realized, you know, we're not built to be a passing team. Our, our wide receivers aren't good. They're in the ones who are young, our quarterbacks limited. Um, we have a really good offensive line in terms of run blocking, but not particularly great in terms of pass blocking. And so they became, they became a running team and they did a lot of interesting misdirection stuff and, and it really helped them in the second half of the year. And so by the time the second game rolled around, they were definitely much more a, a, a in terms of their identity, a, a running team. So, um, I, I, this was one of the most comfortable games against the Eagles I can remember. Uh, and it, it, again, not anywhere near as I think as close as the final score, the Cowboys really put a whipping on them and there was no doubt about who was the better team. So then, then, then we go to the very final week of the year uh, in Philadelphia, in the link, um, both teams have already qualified for the playoffs. The Eagles basically rest everybody except one starter on each side of the ball. Cowboys rest a couple guys. Tony Pollard doesn't make a trip. Trevon Diggs doesn't play, but, but there's also a lot of guys who are playing. Uh, uh, Michael Parsons doesn't play. Um, thoughts about that second game? Because it was it was a sort of attrition bowl in a way. It was it was, or it was at least a, a rest up for the playoff run uh, bowl. What can we take away from that second game, if anything? So the second game, so it was. I tell you what, I went through different set of emotions with this. Uh, I, I was. Similar to the first one, I was livid early. I was mad at McCarthy for, you know, playing starters unnecessarily, you know. And then to make matters worse, we got behind. We felt, you know, the Philly scrubs got up to a 7 nothing lead. They just marched down the field and scored. You know, I think that we know we were fighting back with our starters, but it was like 17-17, you know, at the two-minute mark of the first half. And, And then the Cowboys just, they scored two quick touchdowns and actually... Right before halftime, so they scored. I think Dalton Schultz, maybe I don't know. I can't remember who it was. Somebody scored right before around the two minute mark, but then um, the Philly goes three and out, and they shank a punt, 
The Cowboys mm-hmm, get the ball mm-hmm. at, the, at around the 50, and it was like 24 seconds left, I think. And then the Cowboys scored another touchdown. It was like the complete yeah. opposite. They got the ball to 43 and scored in 19 seconds. 19, oh, yeah. It was crazy. It was like the complete opposite of McCarthy's aggressiveness, like the first time these teams met. I mean, so, I mean, see, good things happen when you put your foot on the gas. So, I mm-hmm. think um, even though it was kind of like a nail-biting game in the sense of, like, please don't get hurt, please don't get hurt, you know, you're seeing Zeke out there. Why is Zeke out there? What's going on? Why is Dak still out there? I mean, Prescott, he he looked really good. I will say this. He looked really good, and we haven't seen a lot of that. You know, that toward the, the second half of the season, and there was a lot of games where we just saw oh, what's going on, and then I think he looked really good in the in, in the Washington game that we talked about last last week, I think it was. Um, and then, but he looked really good. Five touchdowns for the first time in his career, which is weird. I, I, you know, can't believe that was the only time he's ever thrown for five touchdowns. And he did it essentially through three quarters because, you know, Cooper came in after that, albeit it was against scrubs, but nonetheless, Dak looked good. I think, I think that made me feel good in the sense of like, you know what? I know Jason Garrett did this a lot too. It's like, he's, he's, he's preparing the team. It's, it's, you know, you go out there and you're, you're trying to accomplish something you want to be playing with the juices and you want, you want to just have your players ready to go, you know, postseason. I know there's risk there with injury and I didn't agree with that at all with McCarthy, but then afterwards, of course, it, you know, the Cowboys punished Philadelphia. So that, that, that kind of made me feel really good. But, um, you know, you just kind of saw the Cowboys, they just looked better and I felt better about them going to postseason because the game before that was what it was at Arizona, I think. Um, yeah. And that's right. so that's how I, I mean, if there is anything I've learned from watching all six of these NFC's games, it's that Cedric Wilson is a good football player. He had a big, yeah. he had a big game in this one. He had two touchdowns. It's kind of, it's kind of like, well, look what he can do when you like give him more opportunities because, because um, he did really well. had a, had a great game. And also too, the one thing that I noticed about this game is they showed a graphic on this, and they said the Cowboys' offense averaged thirty-eight seconds per play. It's the fastest in the NFL. So, you know, I, I think that's something about Kellen's offense that goes a little unnoticed. But I just, that was something, an observation I had. It's like, they, they, they do this up-tempo thing that the Cowboys have. They I do mean, that's, tempo, that's, yeah. yeah, that's, uh, you know, people forget about that. So that's that's my thoughts on that. What, what about you, Rabs? I, mean, I think you've covered, you covered a lot of really important stuff. So it's, it's weird because, you know, we're talking about how it's frustrating early. But if we look at the drives, uh on the cut for the cowboys on offense in the first half they are as follows 10 plays 75 yards touchdown five plays 26 yards field goal seven plays 74 yards touchdown eight plays 75 yards touchdown four plays 43 yards touchdown that's pretty impressive dude they had like five five drives four touchdowns a field goal and of course a miss miss extra point that that's a half of football and it's funny because it, it really felt like they actually were better in the second half you know, when they, they really opened it up. Um, well, they, they yeah, played in spurts, it, it, it was like, yeah, it no, was no question. The, the last, the, the way they closed out the first half was phenomenal with those two quick scores. And then they took the third quarter off, I think. And then they just turned it on, I think, in the fourth. And they just had some scores and just kind of like, is that, if I'm remembering it, remembering it right, it was like, um, but yeah. I mean, I think, I think the thing about taking the third quarter off is this. So the Cowboys got the opening kickoff uh, the second half and punted they went three and out the, the eagles had a 15 play 53 yard field goal drive and then the cowboys had a 14 play 84 yard touchdown drive and that was basically the third quarter so it's not so much they took the third quarter off as both teams had these monumental drives just ate the oh, quarter okay. up and then the cowboys scored 
Because um, the Cowboys actually scored their touchdown at the end of their drive at the beginning of the fourth quarter. Oh, so they did take the quarter off. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they took the, they basically spent the entire quarter driving the yeah. ball down the Eagles' throat. Yeah, that's a points that matter, buddy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and so, the, so, the, so the, in the second half, the Cowboys had a punt, a touchdown, a touchdown, a touchdown, and then the end of the game. So they really only were stopped one time in the entire game. It was pretty impressive. It was, so, it was such a strange ending of the season because they, you know, we talked last, I think, believe it was just last week, right, about the second game against the Commanders, the, the home game against the Commanders, where they just obliterated them, got out to a huge lead, and just, I mean, had them begging for mercy and looked like they were unbeatable. And then there was this game. I, I know it was against the Eagles second stringers and Eagles fans are of course always going to say, well, it doesn't, the game doesn't count because it was against the second stringers. But the reality is when the Cowboys second stringers got in there, they kicked the Eagles second stringers butts. And, um, and the Cowboys just looked like the better, deeper, more talented team across the board. And, and um, there was really, there wasn't much doubt about that. Quality, quality won out. But then between those two games is the game you referenced, which was that stinker against the Cardinals when they really just couldn't move the mm. ball. So, uh, you know, it, it, you were just talking about what, what's the message after looking at all six of these division games. And, you know, for you, the message is Cedric Wilson's a, a damn good football player. And that's certainly one of the, one of the themes that has emerged. I mean, he, he made so many important plays against all these teams. Um, but the other is just that, the Cowboys absolutely dominated every one of these yes. games. The, the only one that was even remotely a game was one where a fluke series of a long pass that was caught and a weird, a weird pick six made the final score close, but the Cowboys were destroying yes. the commanders in that first game of 27, nothing. They obliterated in the second game. Neither giants game was close, you know, at any point in the second half and neither Eagles game was close at any point in the second half. They are, or at least were, so much better than any of their division rivals. And you look at that, and I think that, that we were talking about earlier, that, that sequence of three games at the end of the year when they obliterate Washington, obliterate Philadelphia, and struggle against the Cardinals. I think it's really, it, it speaks to the fact that the Cowboys are the class of this division. This division might not be good because the Cowboys really struggle against the best teams from other divisions, or did, at least did last year, but... You know, everyone's saying, oh, the Cowboys lost ground. They have no chance of winning the division now. Oh, what a terrible offseason. I think people need to tap the brakes a little bit and just remember, yes, the Eagles had a, a, a good offseason in terms of, like, you know, name recognition. and maybe, maybe they're a much better team. But even if they're a much better team, the two teams that, hit, that played to, on the field last year were not comparable. The Cowboys were so much better than the Eagles, even, even, even the Eagles that got better and found their identity as a running, game, a running team, et cetera. And so, um, and I, and frankly, I think the Eagles are, are, are due for a little bit of a return, a little, a little bit of regression to the mean. Uh, I, I think that they, they got, they had a nice run at the end of the year against a bunch of really bad teams. And they were, and they were finally exposed by a, a legitimate playoff team in the first round of the playoffs as, as, as was the Cowboys. So I think that to me, the message is the kingdom, uh, the, the Cowboys are the one-eyed man in the kingdom of the blind. Okay. <laughs> like, they're, like, they're not in a good division, but they're by far the best team in a not good division. I want to say this, Rabs, and I know that it's easy to just, you know, take shots at the, the NFC East because they've been so bad, um, and then that's they deserve it. But I want to say this. I think that, you know, as we kind of put all this together, I think that 
the range of outcomes for me, this is how I see it. I think that the Cowboys have the year I think they can have. I think you could see them finally this be the year where they get past the divisional round. And, and who knows what happens. I, I think they're, they're, they, they're that good. I, I believe in Dak Prescott when he's healthy, that he's, he's a great player. And I believe in this roster. So I think the ceiling's really high. I also think one of the possible range of outcomes is that the Eagles win this division. And I think that the yep. Eagles are a good enough team to, to do that. Um, I think that they, you know, they've been, a, they've had a lot of good pieces in the trenches and I think that matters. They, their offensive lines underrated, their defensive lines underrated. And I think that it all rests on the shoulders or of the arms or of the legs of Jalen hurts and what he can do. But I definitely think that there are pieces around him. So, I wouldn't be surprised if the streak of NFC East back-to-back winners continues, uh, you know, with Dallas not breaking it, you know, by winning again, uh, because I think the Eagles definitely have, um, you know, a team that do it. The other teams, not, no, I don't believe in them at all. I think I think one of them is going to go back to the quarterback sweepstakes, and the other is probably not going to be that far behind. Uh, but I would be lying if I said that I wasn't worried about Philadelphia, because I think that they... They've made some some good moves and, and helped improve the roster. You know, after basically getting out, somehow managing to get out of the Carson Wentz fiasco, because how they pull that off, you know, is is pretty. I have to tip tip my cap to cap to them for for being able to, you know, be able to change pivot like that and then still have yeah. a good football team. Yeah, I mean, Howie Howie Roseman is is a terrible evaluator of talent in terms of college talent and drafting he, he's a pretty consistently bad drafter and he's got a, a long record of mediocre drafts but he's incredible in terms of getting value out of trades and picking up veterans and so his ability to accumulate draft capital and um and do so while you know while sort of holding on to the roster uh, was it was an impressive was an impressive effort i think that i think you're right that 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 the, there's a high likelihood that the cowboys won't repeat because no one's repeated for so long. Um, but I, A, I think it, it's going to require that there be some sort of interesting like injury situation, um, weird negative turnover differential. There's going to have to be something where the Cowboys perform drastically differently than they did last year. So like if, if Dak Prescott misses a significant number of games, if a, a position group that's really important gets decimated, um, if there's a there's just like they start fumbling the ball and turn the ball over an inordinate number and so they have a really and, and they stop taking the ball away um and i that's so that's point one i think if 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 that if Dak prescott plays all 16 games it's hard to imagine anybody else out you know outstripping this team because he's so much better than the quarterbacks for any of the other teams and i think that the cowboys roster outside of quarterback may not be better than the eagles but it's not worse enough that i think Dak doesn't make the difference um, and then the second thing is, if somebody other than, than the Cowboys wins the division, it also wouldn't be su- surprising to me if it wasn't the Eagles. What? It wouldn't, surpri- it wouldn't be surprised. Like, we always overrate certain teams and underrate other teams. We always overrate the teams that have the quote-unquote great offseason. And in, it's like year after year, they we were proven wrong because we, you know, we think that they had a great off season because they got a bunch of guys we've heard of and, and then, you know, it, it ends up, it ends up not panning out. So it wouldn't surprise me at all. if like the, if the Washington uh, defense suddenly starts playing great again and Chase Young starts, you know, becoming the best defensive end in, in football and, you know, like something weird like that happens. Um, it could be, the, it could be the Eagles. It could be the Eagles, but 
if it's the Eagles, I and the Cowboys are healthy, I really think it's because it's not because the Eagles are better. It's because something weird happens. And I think this is actually the narrative of the last few years. To me, the most frustrating thing in the last so since the Eagles Super Bowl championship in 2017 has been that since 2018 on, the Cowboys have been prohibitively the best team in this division. Like no team has been close overall. Not not even close. The Cowboys should have from that from that that difference in talent should easily have like won two or three consecutive division yeah. championships. But there's, but like nineteen, they had the collapse in the coaching staff and like the culture of the team just imploded upon itself. Twenty, Dak goes down. Twenty one, they win the division. I mean, you know, in eighteen, they win the division. But it's like they 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 were the best team across all of those. All of the, they were just so much better than everybody in nineteen, and somehow managed to lose to a very mediocre Eagles team at home because the, the team culture had absolutely imploded. And, and I think Dak was injured. Um, and it was just one of those weird, just sort of weird things. If, if they got the Eagles at a different time of the year, they would have destroyed them probably because they were a significantly better team. So there's the, the, they've been the best team in this division by a substantial margin for so long and don't have an, don't have nearly enough to show for it. And that to me is, it, it's a shame because it, it speaks in part to, like you said, like how variable, the this division is and how nfl in general is there's so much turnover um and that turnover oftentimes has to do with fluky things like quarterbacks breaking their ankles when some dude lands on an ankle uh, during a tackle but um it also i think speaks to the fact that none of these front offices in this division are good enough to win consecutively they're all they're all do one or two things well and they also also do one or two things poorly and so they're always like coming out with rosters that are pretty evenly matched and and not that great. And so the fact that the Cowboys actually had an advantage over some of these other teams when the other teams were down, um, it's a shame because they really, they easily could have, you know, they easily could have gone on a, on a like a, a two or three or four year, year run where they, they dominated the division because they were the best team in the division. Yeah. And I, I think that that is probably, I think, it, I think they still are, but I don't know how much longer that's going to continue. There's a lot of young players that have to really step up for that. To right. Continue. That's true. I, I agree with you, Rabs. And I just wanted to say one, one, add one other thing. And you could tell me if you think this is kind of silly or not, but I kind of feel like the other teams in NFC East have kind of had to have, I wouldn't say forced, but they've kind of been pressured into having to take a lot of risks to because the Cowboys have been a good team and they've been a good roster. And I think that's, to be honest, they're the, they're the team that the other teams are like, how are we going to beat them? You saw like the giants try to do it, you know, when they did their, you know, like the Janoris chain, I remember what they did like 2016. I think they had a good year. Mm-hmm. They actually yeah. swept yeah. the Cowboys that year. Uh, um, but even though the Cowboys only had three losses, but you know, teams mm-hmm. and they're constantly doing it. And so that means a lot of big shakeups that's going on. I think it's been to their own detriment too. And, and kind of sent them, you know, it dug them holes as well. But I think that the Cowboys, you know, this may just be a Homer statement, but I think that the Cowboys are contributing to the the NFC East not being good because of the way that their reacting teams are reacting to have you know mm-hmm. trying to to beat Dallas because you you bet if if you're not trying to start your roster and and put together a team that can compete with the Cowboys, then you're doing something. I mean, what chance do you have? So I really think they're kind of I think they put a little extra pressure on on some of their their rivals, and so maybe the you know. yeah. And I and I I think though the you can tell me I'm being silly now, but I also think that you know we've talked before about 
when, when because the NFL is a game of inches and everything's so close, like the best teams, and this is what Belichick does so well, he tries to squeeze out small little incremental advantages across numerous hundreds of, of fields of play, you know, during a, during a football game. And some of those are intellectual and some of those are fair and some of those are cheating and, you know, whatever. I mean, I think they're, they're all game, right? And he'll do any of them because he realizes that all of them accumulated give you, give you a chance to, a better chance to win in a game of inches. Um, and I think the Cowboys culture is, is laissez-faire enough that in a game of inches, the fact that the Joneses are not accountable and the Joneses love their guys. And, you know, people talk about the Cowboys being a country club and, and in part that's BS, right. But in part, that's not, there is an element of truth to it. Um, the Cowboys love backpatting and, and the Cowboys love investing in their greatness, especially when they're good. And I think one of the reasons the Cowboys have struggled so much to repeat is because when they win the division, the Joneses go around all, all year long crowing like Chanticleer about how great they are. Instead of saying, we need to get this roster better. We need to work just as hard as if we were four and 12 uh, or, you know, four and 13 now. Um, and I think, I think it, I think it contributes to those weird off years yeah. when they're, when they're, when they're not as good, even though they're clearly the best roster. Could be. So, I mean, those are, those are a couple of silly theories that we have for you, but you know what? We are done being silly. That is it for our show today. If you haven't yet, please do subscribe to the blogging boys podcast network. Leave us a rating, write a review wherever you get your podcast, Apple, Spotify, iTunes, or Stitcher. Tell us what you think, anything you'd like to see us do differently to improve your podcast listening experience. And if you ever want to talk to us about anything at all, anything you're looking forward to at training camp or what foods disgust you, you know, let us know. And, uh, you know, if, if you like mayonnaise, I don't want to hear about it. You know, you need to rethink your life choices. But hit us up on Twitter. I'm at DannyFanum24, and Rabs is at RabbleRouser, spelled R-A-B-B-L-E-R-O-U-S-R. And don't forget to check out all the great podcasts throughout the entire week. Every day we got something new for you. Sunday we'll have the world's team with Meg Murray and Paul Stewart, so make sure to check that out. But that's all we have for today. Thanks for hanging out with us. Hope you have a great weekend. Stay safe, stay happy, stay true to the silver and blue, and we will catch you later. Come to Oxnard, sit down and have a beer with both of us, because we're both definitely going to be there. Support for this show comes from Wix Studio. Designers and devs, you might be able to do your thing better on Wix Studio, a web platform with everything you need to deliver bespoke sites hyper-efficiently. Design teams get a ton of smart features that can take the grind out of web creation without it costing per-pixel control. Dev teams, you get a zero-setup, developer-first environment combined with an AI code assistant and your preferred IDE for rapid deployment. Search Wix Studio today to explore the full range of features.